रिकॉर्ड तो तुम लोग बहुत पहले से कर रहे हो ना थैंक गॉड सिंग सम नो साथ हां एनीवे या ब्रो वेलकम 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 बैक टू दोस्त कास थैंक यू सो मच बहुत कुछ बदल गया है सिंस द लास्ट टाइम वी मेट ऑफिशियली ऑन कैमरा वैसे उसका तो वी मेट बिकॉज़ ऑफ आर्ट फ्रेंडशिप एटसेट्रा एटसेट्रा मल्टीपल टाइम्स बट यू बिकम एन इन्फ्लुएंसर नाउ How is it like? do you think so yeah yeah you've got like uh, followers in the k's on instagram people are yeah the k is a big big know? letter you know even for ekta it's a mental switch it's like you know how up millionaires or billionaires mein sirf ek zero ka fark hota hai aur do zeros ka fark hota hai it's like that um but your life must have changed right usse pehle you were sort of doing things under the radar among friends and now there's an audience who watches you which is also one of the best ways to make your guest more nervous <laughs> I don't think my life has changed my life is exactly the same uh, uh my my life is exactly the same but I do appreciate uh my uh, audience for expression you know mm. what I mean like I really do appreciate that now I spent a lot of time studying and now if I can share there's someone to listen so mm. I'm really happy about that usse pehle like you would just share it among your friends and peers and now when you share something no i think like even on my in instagram i would share quite a bit like i would i i'm just generally a very open person yeah mm. so i i would share quite a bit and yes amongst my fa- uh, friends amongst my family whoever would listen um yeah awesome i want to ask you straight up because um i want to waste no time about this Abhi recently you posted this very haunting picture of this avatar of Kali called Chamunda, and I remember yeah. Chamunda from Jajantram Mamantram, just a Gulliver's Travels. That they made the parody. Jajantram Mamantram, yes, Javed yes. What a good Javed Javed. You know he is the ultimate. Yeah, he. Takeshi's he is Castle. Awesome. Yeah. His commentary, yeah, na. His yeah. commentary in that is, is the best. He's the best compare, yeah. as you call it. He he's the best compare yeah. because. और वो उस टाइम पे उसने कमेंट्री करी है जब वो कैंसिल नहीं हो सकता था आई स्वेयर ही सेज एक बार वो वाला गेम नहीं होता हनी कॉम मेज वाला वेर यू हैव दिस ऑन टॉप कैमरा और लोग दरवाजे एंटर करते हैं एक दोनों एक दोनों रूम्स में वो होते हैं चंगू मंगू जो तो आपको कीचड़ लगाते हैं और आसपास पानी होता है रिमेम्बर दैट गेम This this woman comes and she's kind of, kind of plump. She's like, "Or ye aa gayi hai, ghar wale khati pite ghar ki aunty." Bolo, Javed Jafri, kaise? How do you get away with this stuff? But it was back in the day, and he was OG. But anyway, he was so funny. Come on, Chamunna. So that's how I knew about Chamunna. Then I saw your picture, and this avatar of Kali sort of looked menacing. Asa, मतलब you've seen Kali, and she looks pretty menacing anyway. But mm-hmm. this was almost like. ghost devil like for the lack of a better word yeah who who is this avatar you know um odisha had something very special going on in the early medieval period uh leading up to the late medieval period um late ancient to the mid medieval period and judge this chamunda that you saw was from odisha from this place called jajpur Jajpur mm. had something very fascinating going on uh, about Buddhism, about Vajrayana Buddhism. Uh, there were universities being set up there, and the worship of the mother goddess or the female form or the Shakta worship was going on in a great, great way. And when was this happening? At what period? This, of time? I think, easily it was happening between the uh, between the seventh, eighth, ninth century CE up till um, about you know. Twelfth, 
13th, some parts of 14th. It continues up till today, to be very honest. But during that time, there was some sort of a renaissance that was happening over there, you know. And um, these absolutely evocative sculptures were coming out from Orissa, you know. Um, Bengal, Orissa, these places were very female worshipy. Um, and this particular image of Chamunda, I absolutely love it. It's in the Museum of Jajpur and I really wish to go there. I went really close to there, but I, somehow I didn't have time to go there. Um, th this, this goddess and the pantheon that she comes from, what she represents, can be either very scary, but in the same time, because she's scary, can be very nurturing to you. Hmm. You know, um, so yeah, I'm glad you appreciated it. By the way, no, it know. was. Some some like you can read depictions of fiery monsters mm. and scary goddesses, but it's one thing when the image also justifies the description. But have you ever thought about it? It's like okay, we have a goddess, right, and we have a, a description of her, and then some sculptor is sculpting her out. Hmm. Like Ardhanarishwara, half hmm. Shiva, half Parvati, half man, half woman, you know. It's a very interesting piece of sculpture. But when it comes from different parts of the country, the way they sculpt, they follow the same prescriptions. But some places it just comes out stronger. Have you ever wondered when you go and watch those sculptures that have been so um, carefully crafted, you almost feel a deeper sense of devotion? 100%. Yeah. I felt that in Orissa because like... Orissa also has a lot of these uh, 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 interesting stories. Uh, the other day, there is this very famous conspiracy theory for the Konak temple that it used to have probably a magnet on top of it and then a sculpture sort of levitating on top of it. And then the magnet also, during the time that the ships used to ply around that coastal area, it used to completely um, put the rudder off of these mm. ships. And then these ships, because they could see land nearby through whatever tricks you do on a ship when you can't actually see land, you know, like you, you see a bird or, you know, something right. like that. There are many tricks on the ship. They used to come towards Orissa. So it was like a, it's it's a conspiracy theory. I, I've well, actually asked several people about this. It's like, how you do you know? attract trait? Have a big magnet. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, Orissa had a very special thing going on in terms of artistic renaissance. And this sculpture of Chamunda has uh, captured my attention for a very, very long time. So, so, so Kali is a form of, if I'm not wrong, Lakshmi? Is that, is that an accurate assessment? Lakshmi can be a form of Kali. Kali can be a form of Lakshmi. So who is, who is the main sort of goddess from which all of these separate like demi-goddesses and goddesses emerge from? Just say, Ab Kali and then, then Kali must have other forms like, like Chamunda is one. You know, one. I, I, I worry to answer this question sometimes, but I will answer it like this. I don't think I've read enough books okay. to answer that accurately. Okay. But I would say that as religion developed in our country... Uh, every religion uh, also evolved and built its sex as a response to what was happening around it. Sure. And suddenly uh, sprung this stream of Shakta worship, where it was the mother goddess, it was the female form, it was the form that came from the earth rather than the sky. It was the form that um, essentially was um, far more raw in its energy. Talk to me more about this idea of uh, sky worshipping versus earth worshipping. 
Um, I don't know enough about it, but of what references I've seen in scripture is that the devas essentially come from the sky, uh, come from the sky, and the uh, the 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 a lot of these shakta goddesses are goddesses of the earth, like yoginis, for example. Mm. You know, they are uh, they are associated with reproduction. They are associated with procreation. They are associated with. Um, mm, sort of fractal energy that essentially emerges from the earth whereas the extremely mm, uh, celestial energy is more male like interesting know? yeah so yeah so so chamunda is one and then you also made a parallel to bhairava jaise aapko it's like you know shiv just like you know kali but then there are other macabre forms that's the word that you used mm-hmm. to understand that is there is there parallels between the two Yes essentially I think in all religions objectively speaking uh, uh you look at certain conservative versions of that religion and then you see a little bit more macabre or uh, esoteric or more dramatic versions of that religion and uh, just everything has a spectrum mm. and as intellectual thought a philosophical thought uh thought on culture artistic expression emerges uh I feel like um more dramatic versions are allowed to you know exist taking a separate tangent to main research kar raha tha ki india ke andar aisa kya hai what is it about india more specifically a form of indian art and architecture not paintings exactly but just sculptures hote hain the sort of mm. stuff that you generally deal in mm. how does it makes it make its way across the world and the first kind of piece i found when i was stitching this together was the chola dynasty mm. right so could you help hamare darshakon ko samjhane ke liye what is the chola dynasty roughly and i know they have a big imprint but how far does this imprint go uh well obviously in popular culture the chola dynasty has taken center stage with fantastic movies being made about them and why not um I think in the south there were several uh, empires and artistic expression forms that existed and cholas were really at the pinnacle of things at that particular point in time they had taken scripture and really gone a little abstract with it right now you had the cholas then the, you had the pallavas you had the cheras you had the uh, uh, yeah and and then you had certain styles of 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 um, sculpture and expression as well in terms of the cholas um i i don't know so much about the historic element uh, of it in terms of the art it is essentially the most expensive art that is sold in any auction house essentially right now across the world uh yeah because i think south asian art uh, auctions happen in very few auction houses around the world a christies or a sotheby's a bonhams or philips uh will probably come up with a south asian or a south asian uh, southeast asian art collection and uh, it is indeed the chola bronzes that will fetch the highest price whatsoever you know mm. and uh, it is essentially a wonderful uh, tribhanga posed parvati what's a tribhanga pose <clears throat> tribhanga is something that has three angles you okay. know it's like you know the lady that has her hand on her waist and the other hand lazily hanging down and she's just about angled at the hip 
okay. you know and she has a fairly like indian body is fairly a very voluptuous uh, full blooded uh, ladies uh, live in india and the depiction of these women you know uh, really defies our modern conception of uh, modesty really yeah. have you ever noticed that in terms of sculptures uh, across temples all around india I these women are not modest <laughs> Uh, the only temples I've gone to have been in and around Faridabad, and they've sort of been built in the last fifty, sixty years. So I've really yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of temples in the northern parts of the metropolitan cities are very. मैं जिस temple में जाता हूँ उसके बाहर तो दरबार बने हुए हैं. So when when they have this green uniform, they're sort of guarding the temple. I don't know why that is, but um, ah uh, the the sort of जो idols भी बने हुए हैं, they're all very contemporary. it's there's there isn't a very dated quality to them in fact some of the newer temples that have been constructed really look like showrooms hmm. considering the six light display pura marble ekdam brand new marble niche laga hua hai upar safed ekdam bilkul dewaare hain and in the center of the room almost like an exhibit there is the god hmm. but the sort of temples that you see on twitter when they like show you like a southern indian temple jo hmm. 1700 se hai ya waise waise there is meticulous craftsmanship in that that hmm. you know i mean I don't blame log logo ne wale banane hai but mm. the kind of stuff that the cholas have done like with temples and all right mm. has been phenomenal I think it's been phenomenal because it's followed the rules you know it's like there is prescribed literature our shastras prescribe how the eye should look of a god it should look like a bird drinking water you know uh, a lady what does that mean um yeah uh, you know in, within <clears throat> shilpa shastra within so many other texts Um, why does Shiva look the same everywhere? Hmm. Shiva looks the same Except everywhere because Bengal. someone has sat down and written that uh, Shiva in this avatar should look like this, in this avatar should look like this, in this kind of uh, mood or in this kind of situation with Parvati should look like this, and thus he looks like that. Hmm. And sometimes there are certain vagaries in northwest, east, south, central India, but essentially, iconographically, up to the late medieval period, India was following certain norms. And now the temples are coming up. So I'm, I mean, I love a community effort of a temple, obviously. And but yes, I understand. Uh, we I share your question in terms of <clears throat> what am I looking at, hmm. and. Right now, it I find it more difficult to explain current day temples because they don't follow so much the prescribed norm. Uh, but back in the day, like older temples, I find it easier because I have a referential textbook. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, but but there was a reason for places of worship to look beautiful, right? To to and places of worship in the past have looked beautiful. Like historically, why do we when we go around? Uh, yes, we see Mughal forts and Mughal um, uh, palaces and sarais and tombs and uh, eidgahs and all of that. But uh, in terms of uh, Hindu architecture, Jain architecture, Buddhist architecture, we have a different spectrum of buildings. In terms of Hindu architecture, we have temples. Uh, in terms of Buddhist architecture, we have cave temples and um, uh, monasteries or universities, hmm. right? In terms of Jain architecture, we don't, we do. I, 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 I don't recall going to any Jain uh, cave complex. Right. But for Buddhists, I went to a lot of cave complexes. I went to prehistoric cave complexes, but I've not gone to any Hindu cave complexes. So hmm. architecture has taken its own different um, sort of categories. 
within the several other religions. Within Hinduism, because it was temples, most of the other architecture, a lot of historians and um, archaeologists say that maybe it could have been wooden. That's why it's not survived over a long period of time. It could be mud, hut, straw-based um, architecture. But uh, state-patronized architecture of a temple within the Hindu realm or a monastery uh, within the Buddhist realm or another temple in the Jain realm also had massive economies around it. Hmm. So when you go to, have you been to Hampi? Of course. Yes. So in Hampi, you have this long path leading up to the main temple, right? Yes. And that long path, current day also, it's a marketplace. And that's how exactly it would have been in the past. So, well. so just like Bolte na, ki ke bich bich citadel hai. the citadel was a temple. Yeah, right? citadel has been used very commonly in the in the sense of Indus Valley civilization. But uh -huh. after that, it was mostly like the the term is temple complex, you know. Hmm. And it's just not a temple, but it's a complex around it. But and can there's... you extrapolate that that means that people <clears throat> at those times were far more religious or faith-centric if, if the temple was at the center of their lives? Or is that too much I don't of a think uh, I don't think you can arrive at that conclusion so easily. I feel like uh, you could definitely say that. Okay, let me explain this way. If you lived in a rural village, hmm. rural rural village, like no concrete, it's 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 brick and mud, right? And suddenly someone came up with an opulent mall over there. Hmm. What would you do? you would radiate towards that mall, right? So imagine back in the day, if a king came about and he built a huge temple complex in stone when every other material was different material. Right. He built it in stone. It was sturdy. It was always going to be there. You would always find shelter there. There's always activity happening over there. There's always something happening. over. There. So you could just sit around and watch the day go by as well over there. So when you build a market complex around it, so like people, it's a, it's kind of a city center, mm -hmm. but a citadel has, uh, has some sense of... Uh, European meaning for me as well. So I maybe I don't understand if the definition exactly fits. Mm -hmm. um, but generally, yeah, it was a religious complex, essentially. Because even for the Buddhist universities, um, I do believe to a great extent the texts and the materials that they were teaching were about Buddhism, right? So thus they were, yeah. Buddhist sure. Complex. Just like South temples, they've got those beautiful, structure hai, then one more step, then one more step. They're sort of built in steps. Just the top, hota na. Hmm. I don't have the language to describe it, but I'm sure like if we put up a picture, people can understand what I mean, right? Hmm. Uh, just South temples, they're a lot like that. But North India temples are more like domes, right? Like is it? Yeah. I feel like they're far more pyramidical, like um. Northern temples have an apex, uh -huh. like Mount Meru, you know, um, which is the eternal mountain, uh, which is where all the gods and the heavens and everything resides. And then in the South Indian temple, the Dravida style, uh, style temples, actually you, they are also going straight like a pinnacle, but there's a flattening on the top. That's what I was going to say. Yes. It's not the sort of stuff that I've seen here, it's just... Ha, you're right. The, the apex is there, but with mm -hmm. them, it's like it goes slowly up. And then on the top or like on the outside of it, each step has a bunch of like gods. Hmm. Right? Yes. So that's the outer universe that they sort of um, display. So that's the main uh, burning question that people have about the Khajar temples, for example, right? Like, uh, first of all, 
people say that, oh my God, you know, all sorts of taglines to the Khajuraho Temple. But when you actually go there, it's not so much like that. Hmm. It's like just a handful of sculptures that are uh, in that way. And what does it truly represent? It essentially represents the outside world where all sorts of activities sort of happen. And then you go into a more somber um, heavenly world inside the Garbhagriha, through the Mandapa, you know, and when you go inside, so the Mandapa is like when you enter a temple, okay, when you enter a temple, you have one pinnacle and then the tallest pinnacle. Right. Underneath the tallest pinnacle is usually the main deity or the Correct. main god. Have you ever thought about this? That when you go inside the main uh, cubicle, that is probably the simplest room of the entire building. Yes. No matter how opulent yes. it may be outside. There is nothing ornate in there. In fact, exactly. the size is what... Which is not a temple, right? Mm. The actual place where you will encounter the deity mm. is tiny. Mm. Like beyond comparison. Nothing at all. Mm. Yeah. So, and it's deliberate. Uh, people have thought about it because the house of God is rather simple. But the house outside is full of chaos. It's full of reality that is far more complex. And the house of God is uh, a rather austere hmm. uh, room where he inhabits the main deity. You've also got like on the outside of several monuments, I'm not sure if it's temples, you've also got like depictions of uh, sex there, right? And then in the inside there's a god. Is that accurate? Yeah. And the outside world, when it is realistic in that way, and it follows the particular tradition of uh, the sectarian form of Hinduism, um, it isn't shy to depict the entire spectrum of of the universe you know so mm. that's where so in Kajrao they say that it is it is sort of a temple that has extremely shocking imagery um, sex um, I feel so odd saying this out loud because I'm talking about gods in the same line you know but uh, you know I, I feel worried about offending anyone but yes it is sex and it is not uh, common sex it's not the missionary pose yeah yeah, yeah. You know? it, it is goes far beyond. more complicated yeah. than that and um, uh, it's depicted on the outside and it's not that much huh? it's just like I said it's just a handful in fact you go to Konak that's far more Odisha it's far far more yeah. but this is a form of religious worship it is a form of religious worship that has found state patronage that has come upon a temple there must have been several ministers to that king who would have vetted what is going on this temple cluster. It's not just one temple, it's multiple temples. That's yeah. going on this temple cluster that is going to form the center of the Chandela University. Some of the most beautiful sculptures have come out of the Chandela dynasty, you know. So, um, yeah. If one were to do a modern day pilgrimage just to check out uh, like amazing temples, what would you recommend? Oh my God. <sighs> This is a this is a photo book, uh, you know. Um, first of all, I would recommend everyone to go to Ajanta. It's not a temple; it's a Buddhist uh, cave complex. It is absolutely beautiful, and it is difficult to get to. Uh, you may have to take a train, and you must <clears throat> go and see the earliest forms of painting of complex society over there. Oh my God, stunning! It is also those paintings that have gone all the way to Japan, actually. The research that I was doing when I was 
you know, studying and doing research in Japan was the movement of Ajanta style painting. How powerful the institution of Ajanta was hmm. to not only uh, Southeast Asia, but all of Asia up till Japan is. So please go to Ajanta. I would say that's a very interesting place. It's a horseshoe shaped canyon, you know. Uh, and I would always recommend go in the rain because when the rock glistens on the outside and you can see the paintings on the inside, it's really beautiful. Um, then I would highly recommend everyone goes to Hampi and always cross the river. Uh, go to the to Anangedi or the other Anangedi. Yeah. yeah, go to the older part of the town. Go to see um, what are the different communities that live there. Um, go to see the lake, climb the hill. You know all of that. I would say go to Mahabalipuram. Mahabalipuram was almost like a gateway. I would say go to a yogini temple in uh, Orissa uh, called the Chosat Yogini Temple in Ranipur Jharial. It is in a tribal belt of Orissa. It is absolutely stunning on top of a rock plateau. It is absolutely beautiful. Um, I would say go to the old busted up um, Dutch uh, outstation in Dhanushkodi. Dhanushkodi is the, you know, the map of India and is the link to Sri Lanka. That area um, has an old uh, um, outpost that was ransacked by a typhoon back in the day. And it is the most dystopic place to drive to. So I would say go there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How can I get to Dhanushkodi if I want to go tomorrow? Uh, fly to Rameshwaram. That's where APJ Abdul Kalam came from. And yeah. there's a museum uh, on APJ Abdul Kalam over there. And there's a museum on shells. I love that. Uh, and then you just get onto, you know those RTVs, those high-rise uh, uh, buses? No. You know buses that have high suspension? Double-decker? Yeah, no, no, no. no. High like the tire is there and the bus is even higher than that. I've never seen that. So there are some buses <clears throat> that are like that. And then Dhanushkodi is one of those areas where it's such a shallow sea floor. So your bus is essentially driving on top of the water. Oh, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Yeah, and then uh, there at a very long distance, you can actually walk not up, not more than knee uh, deep, almost a kilometer into the water, mm -hmm. more than. Yeah. when his train would stop for pilgrimages it would stop right at the tip of India yeah that's that's how the station is designed yeah. apparently Danushkodi is a tipper tip it's also coming it's also coming it's India mein hai na. India mein hai, so you, you don't have to cross mainland and go like take no, a Sri no, Lankan no, no, visa no 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 it's India it's India okay it's Wonderful. India and like old Dutch like big outpost like yeah, and cool. why is it dystopic? What happened? Like, has because no one... a long, long, long time ago, a typhoon came and destroyed that entire outpost. So it's just khandar. So no one has ever like used it. You can't it. because high tide, low tide still affects that area badly. Huh. So. so there are times when you can't go there. I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Noted. Yeah. Okay. Um, when we were when we sat down at your place, uh, we were also discussing. जैसे बहुत सारे लोग बात करते हैं हाँ यार साउथ ईस्ट एशिया के अंदर इंडिया की इन्फ्लुएंस तो है ही यू नो लोग अंकुर वाट का नाम लेते हैं ये बोलते हैं कि देखो स्वर्णभूमि एयरपोर्ट ये तो ये तो भारतीय नाम ही है राइट एंड ऑल एंड इनफैक्ट आप स्वर्णभूमि एयरपोर्ट पर जाओ तो वो ग्रीट्स यूज समुद्र मंथन का जो वो दैर होल इमेज देर समर चर्निंग ऑफ द ओशन राइट देर आर ऑल दीज ऑब्वियस रेफरेंसेज बट आई एम नॉट श्योर I mean, I was reading a bunch of research papers. People have written that the you know the parallels between like uh, Japanese 
एक्स वाई जी एंड इंडियन एक्स वाई जी देव ट्राई डू दैट बट डेफिनेटिवली बियॉन्ड जस्ट बुद्धिज्म बियॉन्ड सिल्क रूट पर ट्रेडिंग हो रही है बियॉन्ड लाइक मिंग नानासी किंग नानेस्टी के लोग आ रहे हैं और यहाँ पर आके अपने एम्बेसर्स भेज रहे हैं बियॉन्ड ऑल ऑफ दैट वॉट वॉज द कैन रिलेशन दैट से चाइना इंडिया जापान चाइना जापान कम्बोडिया ऑल ऑफ दिस प्लेस हैर इन इंडिया एनी वेयर फ्राम मेडिबल टाइम्स एंटिक्विटी टू बिफोर द ब्रिटिश राज Uh, I think there was it, you know, this consolidated landmass that we have of Asia, right? It's a connected landmass of massive countries, of distinct cultures, uh, because the area is so far apart from each other that they could have very distinct indigenous uh, identities. But what was noticed in the ancient and the early medieval period, and let's talk from the Indus Valley Civilization period. Indians were always sort of international, you know. How so? Always, because see, uh, what do we know about the Indus Valley Civilization? We don't know the language, but we do know that they built boats. They had a port in Lothal. Uh, evidence of Mesopotamia, Egypt, and uh, uh, places in India and Pakistan were interacting with each other. They were taking ships and they were exchanging items. Trade. Trade. No ideas it's at this point. Well, it's a well-established fact that trade was happening between these three uh, areas, right? So Indians have been international since then, and come to and we just spoke about the tricks that Indian could even do on trade when we spoke about Orissa, right? Mm. Uh, with the magnet, the conspiracy theory of the magnet. Uh, uh, but apart from that, as you see religion really developing and throbbing in the country you know it like started with uh, uh, a religion that was followed probably in the indus valley civilization that we don't know the exact nature but we do know they loved jewelry they loved horns they loved animals uh, and when you come to the late ancient period uh, buddhism jainism <coughs> brahmanism shaivism uh, vaishnavism and the beginnings of shakta are starting right the beginnings of esoteric so it's gone the entire journey it started from a simplistic idea but it was by no means simplistic because even when you read the vedas which is like really at the inception of hinduism um it is not simple in any way it's deep philosophical thought uh, and it has gone into the esoteric and so when around when it is going into the esoteric it becomes really fascinating to the rest of asia so mm. what starts happening is that you have around this time a lot of chinese travelers coming into india a lot of people from southeast asia inviting indians to come to southeast asia so For when you what go, exactly matlab ki bilateral talks to nahi chal rahi hai wahan pe they're not like it's not like bilateral talks it's like oh my god you're building these massive temples can you build them here like it's so emulation like, like help help us do something here it was in seeking guidance to a great extent according to popular scholarly uh, um, consensus uh, on state building you have a language you are building city centers not a city yeah. but a city center you, you remember but, but why would why would they, <coughs> for example maine ek chota sa paper dekha that said that you know korea and japan became stable societies because they learned state craft from china so like yeah but but like why would they learn it from us Well, you know, uh, China was also at the time uh, collecting information and intel from all over. Like Indians, India had a lot of Chinese travelers come to India, 
and they went far and wide and they collected manuscripts Hyun Sang E Ching you know all of these names we've studied in our of course. uh in in our schools you know but these uh, these people there are still very important referential texts even for us historians even till today um so sometimes we look at the relevance of an important place by looking at their text like oh this is a historic place because this guy spoke about this place hmm. right so um uh china too uh had a very rich culture of its own and its own deep philosophical um streams that were guiding its entire country but it did also pick up a lot on buddhism buddhism is an indian um um uh, you know a florescence essentially uh the buddha was actually born in nepal right in lumbini so you said a, a buddhism is like a florescence Efflorescence, efflorescence, Indian efflorescence. Like okay. it came about, it 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 get got promoted. It got stately patronized by a king like Ashoka. Ashoka was like, okay, I understand these principles. I understand these formulations, and I understand this ethic, right? And I want to follow it, and I want to preach it amongst my peers as well because it may have helped me. And we all know about the story of Ashoka. He went to Kalinga, right. and he had this extremely bloody war. And then after that, he embraced that. And it, it even happened with Akbar, for example. Akbar went into many, several wars and expanded it and consolidated and sealed in his kingdom, right? And it was after that that he launched into Sulaykul, right? uh sulekul was a philosophical stream uh that that the uh, that uh, that akbar had uh, was promoting amongst his people of peace and you know um so i think buddhism at the time coming back to southeast asia china east asia uh buddhism in india at that particular point in time was not only thriving but intellectually becoming really important universities started coming up uh royal kings were building stupas the relics of the buddhas became it was a real person and the realness of the buddha was embedded in how his relics were distributed across not only india but across southeast asia you see his the hair of the buddha the tooth of the buddha the nail of the buddha you know the bone of the buddha what are stupas stupas initially were built to keep these particular relics do you know the national museum in delhi has a relic of the buddha i know idea actually from his human body yeah it does and if you go there there is an entire altar piece and on on several good days you will see several monks coming from different countries just sitting in front of the relic of the buddha and praising the lord i remember going to sarnath like as a kid and i remember wo us pe kuch yellow yellow dal rahe the it is sort of put stuff and i'm wondering is that like a tomb uh the uh, you, you see the cylindrical yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, shaped yeah. that's also a stupa that's a different kind of a style of a stupa but a stupa is essentially a solid piece of architecture and it has you know on top it has the amalaka it has a pinnacle and then it has these concentric circles running down and a pipe running right down and then there is a little shaft area hmm. and that is where you keep a relinquiry or a relinquiry is 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 an old thing uh maybe a piece of a body of a holy person uh or an important script or an important piece of jewelry or a nugget of gold or whatever you mm. keep it in that and then you create the stupa and it has no entry points or exit it is a perfect cylinder completely concrete you can't necessarily go as a grave robber and try to like 
गेंदरा लेकर इट्स या आई मीन यू हैव टू ब्रेक द एंटायर थिंग या ओके सो व्हाट्स व्हाट्स स्टिल बैग्स द क्वेश्चन इज कि ठीक है सो देयरस मैसिवली ट्रेड हैपनिंग बिटवीन चाइना एंड इंडिया इन इन मेडिवल टाइम्स एंड एंटीक्विटी एंड इवन आफ्टर दैट राइट और सारी कंट्रीज भी आ रही है बट स्टेट क्राफ्ट में वो क्या कर रहे हैं आर दे गोइंग टू ओडिशा फॉर एग्जांपल लाइक सम एनवॉयज ऑफ लाइक सम डायनेस्टी इन चाइना आर दे गोइंग टू ओडिशा एंड सेइंग कि ब्रो आप लोग हाउ डू यू फॉर एग्जांपल डू टैक्सेस बिकॉज़ वी हैव प्रॉब्लम प्रॉब्लम्स विद डूइंग टैक्सेस इन चाइना कम हेल्प अस आउट विद दैट और शंघाई थिंक्स दैट यू नो वी कैन बी बेटर एट पॉपुलेशन मैनेजमेंट लाइक व्हाट एग्जैक्टली इज दिस आर दे एक्सचेंजिंग प्रैक्टिसेस आर दे एक्सचेंजिंग मैनुस्क्रिप्ट्स लाइक व्हाट इज दिस So I think back in the day they obviously looked upon India as a as a country that had cracked the code for statecraft and it was it it had a it had a formal system of architecture that was regionally diverse back from that time mm-hmm. and back from an older period when they started noticing they like okay they've been doing this for a long time right so then they started actually inviting scholars to their particular country and a lot of countries for example like cambodia the origin theory of the big empire that actually took on uh, uh, had some relation with india so you would also go to their monuments you would see that an indian priest is distinctly and iconographically represented Uh, and that would be a long triangular beard coming down and him sitting exactly how we are sitting mm-hmm. cross legged um, yeah <laughs> and uh, and these these priests were sort of now there are several schools of thought over here there are several schools of historians one is also the orientalists that have looked at you know back in the day there were historians who called it the indianization of southeast asia and southeast asia was a larger part of southeast asia was a french colony right sure. the french the cambodia were uh, cambodia was dominated by the french and when the french historians were writing just as in india british historians are writing uh, the french were writing a lot of books were titled the indianization of southeast asia right mm-hmm. uh, uh, scholars like sedes uh, or codes however you call it it's uh, it's french pronunciation but uh, they call it the indianization of southeast asia which is almost debunked because it was kind of proof that indians never went in warships to sort of capture this land and make it indian instead it was the fascination of areas in the southeast asia that invited indians that can you also bring us in on this state building a uh, legitimization structure that you have sort of cracked hmm. so uh, whether it is building massive temples why are they temples in southeast asia why do they look so similar to indian temples you know why are they temple temple complexes with the same philosophy of a bazaar leading up to a temple you know mm. um so what is this concept right uh, obviously there is inter uh, learning from each other um and that's what we notice consistently in thailand in indonesia in cambodia in myanmar in um, um almost as far as certain parts of china because certain parts of china uh, mimic the uh, ajanta cave uh, painting format and it is exactly the same in terms of prescriptive form of architecture so why and i think um, this was a great period the early medieval period was a great period of history between southeast asia and india you know even within india empires like the ahom kingdom in in assam started getting established that had interrelations with these sort of things so 
um, this has been one of the most fascinating subjects of my study because when I went abroad to study, um, where Oxford or uh, in some S in University Soas, of Kyoto School School of Oriental and African Studies in London, um, and I was studying the art history and archaeology, and my module was Indian Temple, and I had to select the second. And I said, let me study Southeast Asia because it was totally alien to me. That was the reason I actually picked the subject. Hmm. I knew nothing about it. I studied nothing. But literally the first class when I went, the first temple that they showed me, I was like, oh my God, it looks so Indian. And the thing with uh, academia, and I did history honors in one of the best colleges, was that it never even investigated that question. And I think with me, when I first saw it, my curiosity started. And when I started investigating that question, it was such a powerful story of what India was back in the day mm. that to this day fascinates me. I feel like I don't have enough. I'm not giving it enough time to go back to that subject matter. But it is such a strong subject matter. When Angkor Wat was being built, uh, around the same time the Jagannath Temple in Orissa was being built. <coughs> you mm. see? And Angkor Wat is a temple that worships Lord Vishnu. Correct. Right? Jagannath temple is a Vaishnava temple. Correct? East of India. Major port point. Angkor Wat. At major port point. You wonder who was commissioning both their constructions. In fact, there the is strong time. evidence to indicate that the same architect of Jagannath temple and Angkor Wat was consulted on building of these two temples. Divakara Pandita is his name. And I think there is a scholar called Peter Sharrock and Alexis Anderson from Oxford have spoken about this probable possibility of Divakara Pandita advising the construction and the architecture of both these temples. And mm. recently when I went there and I urged scholars to look into it, recently when I went there, Angkor Wat is known as these uh, temples with the pineapple towers. You know, it's almost like flames going up. And it's the same thing, a pinnacle, Right. And when you go to Jagannath Temple, it is not so evidently like that. But when you look cautiously, when you look carefully, there are some elements of that same kind of structure that comes over there. Mm. So there is a, a sort of, it's no doubt in, in, in any scholar's mind that the interaction between very important Indian architects, Indian scholars, Indian priests, Indian uh, religious community and Southeast Asia were very, very prominent. They were guiding them even on iconography for that matter. You know, mm. how a sculpture should be made. And why do you guide someone on that? Because when you make a sculpture a certain way, then God will come and decide in it. But if you don't make it that way, then God will not come. So what's the point of it all, you know? So so there's very strong evidence, but very few people. Or do you Jagannath Temple and Angkor Wat? Do we have evidence of like who was ruling these places at the same time? Different rulers or was there like a Completely different monarch? rulers. Surya Varman II was ruling Cambodia at the time and he was the greatest king of that particular point in time. Surya Varma. Surya Varman II. Surya Varman is ruling Cambodia. Yeah, what an Indian name. Huh. Look and, at the name. And it, it, does he have Mongolite features? Do, do we know that? or is I he... don't know. And I don't know if that term is appropriate. No, no it is pretty appropriate. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I've just seen sculptural representations of him. He loved to wear a crown which went somewhat outside and on top had a pyramid. Gold. He loved gold. He loved big earrings. Yeah. And in, in, in Cambodia, what they believed was, so what they borrowed from India was a kind of a philosophy where uh, the king is a theological head of the state. That means the king is actually a god. So what happens is this massive temple is built. The... King sculpture is made. 
the god sculpture is made and huge uh, ritualistic ceremony is done and then as the god comes and resides in the image of uh, the uh, the sculptural representation of the god it also comes and resides in the king so he becomes the theosophical head of the uh, it was called the deva raja cult you know and surya varman the second was the largest believed to be the the most um, stable uh, king of them all after that uh, came this king called jayavarman the seventh he is my favorite guy why is that i love this guy because his temples are so cool so right next to angkor wat is an even bigger complex called this is called angkor wat this complex is called angkor thom why do we not hear about that more uh you've seen it in movies actually you've seen it in lara croft uh, tomb raider where you've seen these temples with these faces coming out and that's actually the king right after the guy who built uh angkor wat so this guy is jayavarman the 7th and he was following vaishnavism he switched to buddhism but like uh tantric buddhism right interesting and he started following a hevadra cult and this guy sorry was, what is that hevadra cult is a kind of uh deity in buddhism who is very fierce who dances violently thoda uh, thoda sa mereko backtrack karna padega i've always believed as a layman i mean despite the fact that we had a discussion on buddhism last time mm. but i did not read up after that at all um i always thought that there is one buddha right so what are these deities in buddhism okay we have to go into the academics of buddhism so there is one buddha his name is siddhartha right and he uh, came from a royal king a royal royal family from the sakya clan uh, born in lumbini in nepal and then left his uh, palace and when his when he left his palace he became a wandering ascetic and then he did hard penance and then decided the middle path and then eventually attained enlightenment mm-hmm. and once he attained enlightenment then he collected a few disciples and he started preaching his knowledge no no the buddhism right? story is clear siddhartha so story is clear, is clear yeah Ab- after this he did acha <laughs> 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 so he collected some disciples yeah. then he unfortunately passed away and then uh, he unfortunately passed away because he was a real human being yeah but his teachings got carried on <laughs> yeah of course of course his teachings got carried on and with his teachings uh, and his disciples that philosophical thought um, constantly getting revised so in the buddhist habit earlier was if you want to become a buddhist you must wander you must follow the eightfold path the four noble truths uh, you must believe in impermanence and the middle path is going to help you out but during the rainy season you must gather at a particular monastery and thus this is when cave architecture started coming around because it's very natural it's in the realm of the planet mm-hmm. you know and when you sit there why do cave ha- caves have so many paintings and sculptures because these people were actually spending a lot of time there during the rainy season during the monsoons of india and thus emerged these extremely expressive caves of india right mm. uh, you have some of the most opulent paintings from ajanta to the most elaborate carvings of several other buddhist uh, caves so when they met at this cave their rule was to recite the vinaya 
the vinaya is a rule book for the buddhist as you recite the vinaya sometimes syllabus gets boring yeah so you start doing commentary on the vinaya and thus as commentary started coming about in that religion it started breaking up when it started breaking up it became from the original form of buddhism that is theravada which used to also be called the hinayana form of buddhism to mahayana there people started meditating a lot people started uh, ritualizing a lot people started using art a lot and when that happened the concept of bodhisattva started coming more and more people started attaining enlightenment and the i think we spoke about it in a last podcast actually when you attain enlightenment but you decide to stay in this world and preach the right. word of god and not go into nothingness you know uh, that's when you're called a bodhisattva when you when you when you hold on to purpose no where's the deity come from then deities come from the bodhisattvas essentially okay the, so there are the people from who the bodhisattvas yeah they they you know there there's several kinds of bodhisattvas that come about yeah. um that's but when, then can you deify them and worship them later on as a practitioner of absolutely because all of them have their specific teachings right okay. and they have their specific um uh, sort of leanings that you could uh, sort of abide by like for example thailand uh, uh worships uh, a lot of maitreya why maitreya uh, because maitreya is the bodhisattva of the future that when maitreya comes to this planet earth when you show your devotion you all will be taken to heaven together who is so, maitreya maitreya is also kind of bodhisattva you know when okay. when you uh, when mayana buddhism increased several of these deities attained enlightenment and decided to stay within the universe that can still interact and and do they have like defining features or do they all, do they all look at least in sculptures and paintings like the buddha himself like no, the first buddha no they all have very distinct akshobhya looks different from maitreya looks different from vajrapani looks different from uh, padmasambhava looks different so all of these iconography what we spoke about i keep using this term allow me to describe it Please. it is the science of symbols within religious deities so shiva has a trishul has a snake around his neck uh, has um, you know a particular hairstyle with a water spout coming out all of these signs are part of the science of iconography you know it's what helps you distinguish what deity this is what is the meaning of each of these signs philosophically and why do they exist over there so what there is the back story are there schools of iconography that you can sort of divide deities into like are there for example other deities that you can tell are no there are schools of iconography there are schools of religion there are uh, groups of uh, and sects of religion but iconography is just the breaking down of the symbology between all of these religions many years ago i remember it's a response okay the responsive signs response to responsive science okay so it's uh, yes iconography was prescriptive literature in indian shastras back in the day shilpa shastras also give you the idea of iconography but currently iconography is us trying to decode the back story we're not we're looking at the shilpa shastras we're more like memorizing the iconography bahut saal pehle on twitter i remember watching this picture of a buddha aur unki wo uh, lungs dikh rahi thi or who ribs the crazy and he had a beard yeah. and the person who posted it i think his name is snake oil salesman he said he remember being moved to tears by watching that because yeah. you always see what well, you see the laughing buddha which is you know being reappropriated by good earth jo you know you they sell a lot of laughing buddhas and then you have the standard gautama everyone knows the gautama right mm. 
but then this particular Buddha with his beard and looking emaciated. So what I'm trying to ask, is that a Bodhisattva then? No, that is the Buddha himself within his lifetime. Um, so when he came out of his palace, he saw certain things like suffering in the world, right? Real truths. Real truths. He saw... You know, uh, death, disease, uh, yeah, something exactly. Like, uh, exactly. So when he did see that, he said he and he left on his horse. Uh, and there are several sculptures, even in the National Museum, that you can admire that show that that last moment of him leaving his his previous life. And then he went into finding the real meaning of life. And then he went into extreme penance. And at that particular point in time, within Hinduism, that extreme penance was already the way of finding moksha. Hmm. Okay. Uh, he was trying to find... Uh, moksha was already a popular concept, popular term. And people went through deep um, uh, promises to the universe and to themselves. Like, uh, like that. The Buddha tried that. And that moment shows his most emaciated body with the nerves and the bones and the eye, eye sockets completely sunken in. The best example of that sculpture is in, actually in the Lahore Museum. Mm. There's also a fantastic example at the Mathura Museum in, 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 in India. So it was at that moment that he decided that there is no reason to extremities. There is more meaning in the middle path. And that's when he went back to choosing, sort of thinking another way from what was prescribed from the extreme penance way. And that's where the philosophy and the concept of the middle path became extremely important and popular. It was a completely different intellectual stream of thinking. You know, mm. there were, and, and before this, mind you, there were several intellectual streams of thinking within Brahmanism as well, within the caste system as well, within, within the outcast way of reacting to the caste system as well. There are several ways of thinking around that time. But this is a person who chose... Uh, who chose the middle path after having tried and that sculpture represents that he went there you know and but then he decided that that was not it when scholars like you study buddhism and you've studied it for a long time and indology uh do meditation practices ever factor into the academia part of things or is that something that you discount or dismiss as maybe like a let's say vipassana for example right mm. You've done Vipassana. I've done it once. I won't. I don't. I don't. I don't think I would do it again. You didn't like it. I liked it, but I. I, I prefer to it. eat meat more. I don't. They won't give me meat. No. Yeah. Which is a. I was thinking about it. With like alagbaat hai, but because right, jab maine Vipassana kari, it's the idea that was given to me, and this might be controversial. Is like, Buddha ki asli teaching to ye thi, ki Buddha ne jab aagi sare baatein boli hain, wo log kar rahe hain. That's the religious thinking. Actually, though, yeah, this is Buddha's true contribution to the world. That this technique What technique are you talking about? The vipassana technique, anapana, vipassana, and then uh, matta. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you have what you've talked about is vastly different from my immersion into Buddhism, which is the practice of vipassana. You know, mm. Mm. Um, when you read about this, when you write about this. Do these meditation practices become a core part of, of the scholarship? 
I think a lot of, uh, like there was a very important Buddhist scholar called Vinoytosh Bhattacharya. He wrote some fantastic books on all streams of Buddhism. Uh, my favorite of his was on Vajrayana Buddhism or Tantric Buddhism. And he himself experimented a lot with what was prescribed in the text. He's like, let me try it out. Mm. And he himself has spoken in his uh, preface to some of his books how he did a particular meditation of, uh, of the green Tara. He did, uh, and that's a kind of a Buddhist goddess, uh, green color uh, bodhisattva. And he meditated upon her. And, you know, when you do meditate upon in Vajrayana Buddhism, you have these seed bija mantras, you know. Om, Hitreem, Kreem, you know. Bija mantra to like in normal scenarios. Yeah, in normal also, scenarios yeah. also. So, but there is a prescription to how you read them so that you can visualize her. And then she emerges in front of you. Hmm. So, uh, a lot of scholars do experiment with that and do try that. Um, I do feel... Uh, myself uh, that when I have read so much uh, about it uh, sometimes I've been curious to do the efficacy of it but modern city life does not allow you so much also. talking about modern city life um se piano van grasta is a 15 minute walk oh really right and I had two options came gaadi ja sakta or do I walk but then I remembered the spirit of Delhi houses <laughs> yeah right um and but a weird because I usually have been a very commuter. I've always lived in a commuter lifestyle, right? Mm -hmm. Commuting from satellite city to big city to big city to small city to taking a flight, right? And then walking is usually reserved for parks in a circuit. Never exploratory walking. Right? The sort of walking that you do, example. Or the sort of walking that people do who go to the serendipity because they suddenly chance upon a street or a corner that they did not expect but because they let go of the map and they followed instinct or even curiosity or beauty they arrived there so I was still following a map because I couldn't you know go from here to Panama directly I didn't have the spatial awareness who can't pay but uh, I went to this place called Arjun Nagar I've only seen Arjun Nagar on magic breaks when you're looking for a place to rent right so Arjun, Arjun Nagar is a small magic breaks okay so you see how it sort of goes from normal Savdarjang, Hoskhas, Aurobindo, Marketwala, big spaces to like a more condensed locality, colony type of things, right? There are wires only a small zen or a scooty or a cycle can go through it. And as you keep walking, you notice there are all these mom and pop stores that have no names, right? And eventually I realized the way to uh, get to Piano Man, you cross this narrow uh, street of uh, Arjun Nagar, then it goes into a smaller bi-lane that has only enough space for two people to rub their shoulders. And it goes on for almost 200 meters. And in that 200 uh, meter bi-lane, there are also shops on the sides. And when I was... But I felt positively vitalized ki, damn man, you can really sort of chance at, I don't know, like everyday architectural beauty or like, you know, like you turn a corner and your life changes. That's what I felt like. Really? Yeah. I'm so glad you felt like that. Um, I feel like... Uh... Yeah, walking in the city, I mean, it's too hot, huh? Have you been seeing how many people have been dying because of the heat stroke? No, I don't read the news. 
The BBC said that the summers in India are going to be beyond human survivability limits. This time? This time. And already several people have died uh, via heat stroke. Abhi to May hasn't arrived yet. So we're not in the worst of it. Well, that's happening. And But no, I think uh, the field that I work in, uh, the my, I, I have a recurring dream, a bad dream that I'll go blind. Yeah. That I'm climbing this really steep slope to my old boarding school in Missouri. And somehow I cannot see at the sky and I'm, I'm blind. I'm blind. I can't see. You know, and uh, that is my biggest fear, and I am Chashmish, so it's not so far away, you know. Uh, but this thing about my love affair with homes, and fortunately, I live in Delhi, and houses over here have such a deep sense of history, um, has certainly uh, invigorated my walks, but. At the same time, I've formed a very intimate relationship with the city uh, in terms of learning what the identity of a city is. You know, um, Delhi is a capital city, right? Are you following? Are you following what I'm saying? Yes, Does yes, it make of course, sense? of course. Yeah. So this is this new. Habit. If I do, hmm, 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 then it's going to be a little distracting, to listeners. I realize that. Yeah. yeah. Um, no. So this city. Uh, as I have been exploring it, I've been exploring it. Like I, I grew up near Singu border in, of course. in the city, right? And I went to school or college and thus I traversed a, a vast uh, amount of the city. And so le learning from driving across that city, I've also understood that the city has ancient history, yes, but post-partition history, very interesting. Mm. Very interesting. Because when partition happened in India, um, all of Delhi essentially emptied out. The last time something like this, the city emptying out, was when Mohammed bin Tughlaq was the ruler. When you say emptying out, it means that almost all of them were out. All of them were What was the city center of Delhi? Tell me. At that particular point in time. The city center was Old Delhi. Upper north, this is the city Old Delhi. And the rest of Delhi that was built, who was living there? The British. South, Central Delhi is all British. There was no South Delhi around that time. Jamali Kamali wala tour karate, William Dalry. Meroli was there and Badur Shah Zafar had uh, Zafar Mahal over there. Huh. But that was when he was going hunting. Okay. These areas were far off areas when you were living at the Red Fort. Mind you, you don't have a car. You're going on horseback or a carriage around that time. So, Meroli was considered another outpost of another yeah. kind of king. So the center is the north. That means the north must be like all the way up in Haryana. I mean, when Chani Chowk was happening, right? When Chani Chowk was happening, it was the most exotic, opulent, international market. It was the Harrods of the East. What? Yes. Chani Chowk. Yes. Where people go to Old Delhi mein wo photography tours and eat parathe. What are you saying, bro? Have you been to Chandni Chowk? A long time ago. Have you been the richness? Have you seen the richness seen the of Chandni Chowk? I've seen the stacks of cash. Do you, yes. Do you see the best jewelers where they come from? Chandni Chowk. Haven't had the time to Have jewelry. you seen uh, Chandni Chowk? Oh my God, there are so many palaces, so many havelis over there. Do you know? Palaces and havelis in Chandni Chowk? You do not know that? No. Do you know about Begum Samru? 
was quite a short lady not very good looking but maybe in her youth she was better she got married to a dutchman and when she got married to a dutchman she became this conniving and she converted to christianity as well she became this conniving very calculated but very powerful lady uh, who almost controlled a christian empire and she set up her capital around meerut in this area called sardana where there is this beautiful massive 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 church with marble that was imported from italy with artisans who were gotten from there she actually got validated by not directly the vatican but an important church of the vatican and it is still on display at this church in sardana um a christian empire a christian empire with with like jesus at the top not like british identity but jesus Christianity at the center Christianity at the center huge church and it was an a short courtesan from Chaudhary Bazar who was ruling What this. time period is By this? the way do you know the entire amount of money after she died is still disputed Yeah yeah Well what time period is this This is like a late mid to late 1800s Okay yeah But how do you consolidate like Christians like are these Indian Christians British she was married to, she was married to a westerner right she uh-huh. was married to a man called Reinhardt uh, and 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 he was called uh, somber you know so that's why her name became samru because he was like a grump basically and mm. he had married her and she was called begum samru because of that and chani chok has one of her palaces is still there when you go there bhagirath in bhagirath palace area it's a it's a protected monument who are some unknown as a uh, protagonists of the shaping of delhi sabko pata hai ki jo obviously freedom struggle wale log hain everyone knows lotians everyone knows like the big people but i like who are some of these like outpost people like this begum samru that you're talking about razia sultan do you remember her no it's not razia like i'm friends with her razia's grave still sits in this area of chani chowk called chitli kabar Razia Sultan is an old empress uh, of 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 Delhi and she I think had an Abyssinian slave lover and India was an Abyssinian slave Abyssinian slave lover India was international from a long time ago Abhi to sare expat Chanakya Puri mein and Vasundhyar and some of the junk yeah not so much they are more the foreign company workers okay right right, right. Yeah. a lot of ifs people here but yeah but uh, um, yeah uh, razia uh, razia sultan uh, her grave is still there and she had an abyssinian slave lover and i think they even had two children because when you do go to her grave you see two small child graves there vishnubri has direct evidence of what they are but it's easy to assume that's pretty insane it still begs the question ki aap ek shehar ke andar rehte ho you're sort of stuck in your routines and you're pretty rigid and you know delhi is not really like meko last time i did it and people said kitne privileged log hain 
because I said, you know, Delhi is not a very walkable city, and people are like, oh, you're the privileged log bol sakte hain. But what I meant to say is, it's it doesn't have like the most cleanest, interconnected, uh, like network of walkways that are not stopped by something. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Delhi is an old city. If you go to Gurgaon, if you go to Faridabad, if you go to Noida, it looks very shiny and new. Hmm. But Delhi looks like an old city with I the infrastructure. I love it too. Like I, I love the city. But you are so right. There isn't an interconnected pavement. There isn't an uninterrupted pavement in the city, right? And um, um, I think that is also a reason why Delhi people are so like in your face because they're like. Really, just trying to walk here. तेरे को दिख नहीं रहा, तेरे को दिखता नहीं क्या, you know. So they are a bit like that. Uh, uh, but it is a city that is throbbing with with history. Uh, even newer places like we, you asked me, oh, South Delhi when mm. back. South Delhi did not exist. Latians was the southernmost extent of. Delhi that time, right? Latians Delhi, but then post-independent India, uh, slowly, slowly the uh, Delhi started expanding. For example, with Latians, there were several other Indian architects that worked with them. Sujan Singh was one of them. So Sujan Singh Park came about in near Khan Market, which ex- looks very similar to the colonial um, to the to the British. Where does where did Princess Diana and you know all of these people live when they didn't live at the uh, the Buckingham Palace? It looked like that same uh, residential complex over there, mm. right? Beautiful gardens and everything. Um, and then slowly, slowly, outside Latians, Delhi started increasing, and Delhi also became outpost. Like Gulmohar Park was for the journalists, Niti Bagh was for the judges. Uh, certain Anand areas. Anand Lok is for the industrialists. Uh, yeah. Mayfair Gardens was for the Sydney businessmen. Mayfair Garden, so UK may be in London. Me, yeah, name, name, dumb. What about West End? There's a small place called West End here, no? Oh yeah, West End and Shanti Niketan and all of that. I hear the most popular stories about those areas is that much later, I think around the 60s, 70s, that land was being sold for nothing, and people were being pushed. To buy land over there, so they could settle in over there and build their homes over there. But at today's time, you can't buy it. Exactly, 60s, 70s. Me and I still hear uh, some grandpas. Actually, my partner's father tells me, "Oh, my father, he used to work for the government. He was told to buy um, uh, land here for like hundred rupees uh, uh, um, uh, unit. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember the unit." And now it's selling for so many, so many, so many crores. It's like yeah, because the big plot sizes over here, you know, are worth a lot more money. Yeah, I wonder what would it cost now to say buy like a big house. I don't think you can buy a house in Lutian Sally. Like you can't buy a house on Prithviraj Road, can you? There are apartment complexes there as well. Hey, na, I mean, otherwise like the government allowed you there. Prithviraj Road has the Atlantis uh, apartment complexes. Okay. Uh, Sujan Singh Park is an apartment complex. Um, uh, you know. There are, but it is it is indeed very expensive, and it is indeed very tedious to live there as well because these these historic zones come in the Latians bungalow zone. So when you come under the Latians bungalow zone, any redevelopment that you need to do, any upgradations that you need to do, uh, there is a separate problem. There are a lot of touts roaming around. As soon as they see construction material, they're like, "Ha, ham yaha par is authority se aaye, aapka fine lagega." Actually, there's no such thing as a fine. There is actually just a notice. I went and asked. 
certain officers and i said is there a fine anyway they're like no there's no fine they will they can just give you a notice and they and they give you time to respond to it hmm. um but again check your resources this is just from one perspective uh but uh it is very tedious to upgrade your house in those areas because they're historically so important and most of these areas are also near historic monuments so come within regulated areas thus it becomes important to just continue living there over a long period of time unless you like the analog life and you can maintain that you know analog aisa kya hai matlab 100 saal purane switchboard hai ha bhaiya but agar tumhe central heating chahiye to wo to nahi ho sakta na itni aasani of course what i'm saying is like the, to do redevelopment there like it will be a problem for them so their best to bet is to bust up a building and reconstruct uh, another building is yeah. very very tedious also take Now, on builder floors bro but the thing is like like is architecture disposable in india i think currently in our generation and the generation just before us like our parents also generation they look at architecture in a very disposable way they do yeah where like isko tod ke naya bana lo correct hai na but yeah. it's also it comes from a very different new rich mentality where nothing is passed down everything is sort of made mm. so the idea of preserving the past goes away and it's almost like ab naya ab aap kya kar rahe ho ki migrant to delhi mein bahut sare migrants hai jahan yahan pe aake base hai so the sense of nostalgia or beauty is more around memory and relationships less around architecture that's what i feel ki kya hai ki ab humne paise bana liye hum matlab falane punjabi business wale todo naya banao yeah but the other side of this is like that there are so many disputed houses that people get so nostalgic and so emotional about the houses ki wo waise ka waise hi pad rahe hai wo land मतलब वेस्ट होता रहे बट उस घर को कुछ नहीं होना चाहिए हम जाते थे यहाँ पे बचपन में आप जाते हो फरीदाबाद से कनॉट प्लेस घूमने के लिए बैक वन लाइक दिस इज अ टाइम वन आई वॉज सो यंग दैट देर वॉज नो साउथ डेली टू रियली गो टू बियॉन्ड फंकी ऑर्बिट अनसेल प्लाजा में You know, cause all was tiny. Funky was, orbit. Yes. Remember funky orbit? I remember that. Yes. Yes. So, for us, Delhi meant funky orbit. Jana. Okay. Ya fir CP jana because the inner outer circle still remained. And on the way, you had to pass through Lutyens Delhi. Lutyens Delhi is so beautiful. It is, in my opinion, it is the most beautiful part of the entire city. Right. I know the government lives there, whatever, but it's so gorgeous to look at. Right. Um, and my dad would say. It would be great to have a house here, you know. Yeah. And I grew up with this dream, sort of passed down. Or ab main jaata hu, dekhta hu. Yar, sarkar mein to nahi aana hai. So what is another way to like make sure that you have a house there? And then you made that post. You got me thinking like, if I, if I would live there, how would I do it? Yeah. It's such a good thought experiment. Like if you lived in a Bandra West old dilapidated three BHK Sindhi society, how would you live there? Yeah. 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 Would you buy bread from the person who came in the morning on the bicycle? Huh. Um, would you sit out on your veranda? You know, the other day, yeah. This 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 thing of how would you live in a home is what makes uh, you really become very romantic about personal spaces or domestic spaces rather. <clears throat> My favorite thing to do is look at a kitchen. You oh. know, to look at a home's kitchen. you know um 
to smell the smells and to walk about and open your crockery cupboards. I just love it because crockery cupboards are also heirlooming. You know, मेरी मॉम ने प्लेट दिया है मेरे को बहुत सारे लोगों के लिए इट्स वेरी एयरलूमी इट्स Full of memory, so yeah. it's like opening a Pandora's box. If you open a, I don't know if it cupboard. still exists, but I remember शादियों में ये silver की वो सब चीजें देना बड़ा आम था और उसपे फिर वो engraving भी करते थे ना yes 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 uh, and I think there are a couple of those katoris in my house that are engraved with the names and things like that. But you know, I feel like it's like a Pandora's box of memories and. Um, um these crockery cupboards but if there is a godrej cupboard right that's a game over yeah that that stuff that stuff has seen too much stuff so in japan for example they you have fantastic second hand stores you know why because there is a popular belief over there that if you own something for too long it will inhabit a spirit of its own and in fact if you look at a lot of studio ghibli movies as well like uh, uh spirit away you know some of these old abandoned um, villages essentially have spirits of their own um that come to live at a certain point in time of the day uh, thus people give their things away similarly like a godrej cupboard i feel like godrej cupboard like because in india we have the habit of like keeping things with us like mm-hmm. lumi we don't we're all really, hoarders yeah we are all yeah, hoarders minimalism or there is a kabadi wala huh. right there is no second hand store there is no like recycling economy there is a kabadi wala or there is this thing so actually kabadi walas are the old recyclers of back in the day right um and in fact some of the most prominent kabadi walas became some of the most opulent antique dealers of india really yes kyunki log apna kya matlab koi bahut mehanga pendant fek rahe hote the like like what is no important crockery cuz you're literally saying litter equal to gold that's what i think saying. a lot what happened was when colonialism ended in india and the british uh, started leaving a lot of their homes summer homes anglo indian homes etc uh, started you know sort of giving away their things while they got on with a newer life mm-hmm. and uh, kabadiwalas started accumulating that similarly when partition happened a lot of things just got left behind thus later on discarded if not adopted right um and thus kabadiwalas kept acquiring a lot of things um and some of the most important antique dealers in a lot of old colonial outposts for example come from that background you know? today this guy called uh, sadab hussain he runs this podcast called the nankari podcast about food it's a brilliant podcast usne ek tweet kari where this dude is standing with this long silver ek aisi pin hai उसे बोलते कान मैलिए यू नो वो दो जो कान का गंद साफ करते हैं एंड आई रिमेम्बर मैं और मेरा एक दोस्त हम लोग वो जो स्कूल से जो ऑरलैंडो की ट्रिप नहीं भेजते न्यूजीलैंड और न्यूजीलैंड करो डिजनी लैंड वाली भेजते हैं कि आप नासा एंड डिजनी लैंड इज वॉट यू डू राइट अपलाई फॉर दैट सो मी एंड माई फ्रेंड केम आउट एंड माई डैर एंड डैर वैर एंड वो दोनों हमने कान साफ करा रहे थे एम्बेसी के बारे में फर्क चल कर रहा है अरे ये ट्राई करा के देख उसके पास वो ऑरेंज कलर का एक लिक्विड था उसने उसमें अपनी वो पूरी डाली इतनी लंबी सी पिन एंड मतलब ये अनसाइंटिफिक बात है लेकिन ए एन टी फेल है उसके सामने ईयरबर्ड फेल है जिस तरह एंड इट्स ऑल ऑफ दीज लिटल आर्टिसनल डाइंग प्रोफेशन इन डेली दैट एंड स्टिल 
so he posted on Twitter. He said the rate was twenty rupees. Even now, can you imagine? Like ten years ago, it was twenty rupees. Hmm. But there's all these, you know, jadu walas, jugglers, dawa khanas. Do you ever see them? Um, वो जो वो टेंट वाले exactly अरे वो तो बहुत करप्ट होते हैं I know but uh, you know Hakim's Dawa yeah. Walas all of those people. I had Doctor Shake on bro what are you talking about Oh my God I did see that episode that was wow Are you gonna host it on your podcast I would love to Okay I would love to He's a he he goes again You are a different vibe you guys we are we are two ladies right so we have so many questions for him I'm I I want to see how he responds to them without. Getting embarrassed—that's going to be the real. I think part. all of us have to think about that. <laughs> like, me and Gethi might just get a bit embarrassed. हाँ तो I mean there's like with him man fuck so he he really shits on those दवा खाना से जो talking about but I did always have a fascination कि इसमें क्या होता है Yeah, I just want to try it out. Because okay, first of all, it's it's not really inviting, but it's also kind of like danger inviting. Because वो वो तंबू गड़ा होता है, छोटा सा काला. It's very hocus pocus looking. It is very hocus pocus. कि अंदर जाओगे आप किसी के ऐसे वो nails होंगे. It looks like a shaman is gonna you know cast. Hundred percent. Yeah. And even in Faridabad, they would have it on both sides of the street. Yeah. Because you would find that ये लोग traveling वो हैं. Hmm. But I could just never get myself to like stop. We should go there once together. Yeah. And just open the and check it out. flap yeah. and say that my legs are hurting. Yeah. And and see what happens. Malham, show. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, your Delhi house has been featured a bunch of times, no? Usse pehle was a little uh, side project. Now it's taken a life of its own. It's taken a life of its own. It still remains to be my ode to my city and my dear diary moment. Um, I'm glad people are appreciating it, though. I I just I just hope uh, a lot more people can send me photographs of houses that are going to go. There are some rules to abide by. By the way, if it's a road-facing house, you can take a photo, but otherwise, please take permission. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, sometimes I have these uh, times where I can't write, and I refuse to post a picture without a memory bank of it. So. Uh, I'm sorry if I don't post often enough. And why am I apologizing for that? That's okay. the way Delhi houses is. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know. Yeah, tell me something. I've always found you as a very tasteful person, who's, for the lack of a better sentence, has been surrounded by art, has spoken about art, has lived in, not necessarily the most rich places, but certainly the most beautiful places. You always have. You've. I've been to two of your places. You've decorated them very tastefully. Um. and everyone has a distinct journey when they go on to acquire taste some people inherited as a consequence of being born into an aristocratic family mm. where there is the arts and culture aas paas hi hota hai kuch log degrees karte hain so they acquire taste because they have an immersion in the arts for four years when they do like a degree at nift whatever mm. others have professions around it right and mm. others yet when they acquire purchasing power they find other people with taste to teach them mm. like This is the way to have cocktails. This mm. is what you can think about art, right? Mm. But I still find that बहुत सारे लोग once they acquire money, they become very functional instead of tasteful. Like their prerogative or their uh, what just चीज को search करते दुनिया के अंदर, it is rarely beauty and taste and more practicality and functionality. And I've seen the way practical practicality and functionality compounds mm. is it makes your inner life kind of banal. Mm. you know like you don't have too many beautiful things to look at mm. 
or be around or have them sort of mm. decorate your life mm. um but you've always done that uh, anywhere from the things you do for work to the kind of houses you live in abo ho sakta hai maybe it's a beautiful for you but if people want to start acquiring taste mm. how would they go about that uh i think the best place to acquire taste is first in tradition i think i acquired my taste from my nani my grandmother who was a very simple uh bihari lady uh who loved to wear a sari every day mm. um and every time she plated me a plate or she traveled around and bought certain curios for a house it was of a certain variety she was a very delicate lady you know um she was a very strong lady she knew how to shoot a gun but at the same time she was a very delicate lady like the way she cooked the food the way she described at this point when you smell this then you must put this masala in it right so i love cooking and i've learned it from my grandmother and my mother alike so my grandmother told me and she lived a she lived a fairly humble middle class life because her husband was a doctor they travel around the world yes but he was a doctor from jamshedpur um, and uh, then they were in delhi and my mother was born uh, married to a army officer you know they are like uh, uh, du lovers that had gotten married and i actually grew up on top of a barsati but this is where both i think me and my mother will appreciate my grandma we lived on a barsati my parents loved to host uh, coming from an army background they always you know had a old monk up their armpit ready to offer it to anyone who would come and have a drink with them near singu border they live very far away but my mother my mother built my drawing room out of bamboo and thatch so we used to call it the jhopdi and it had a amazing cooler in there and it was a cool spot and that time i think when you know your parents are in the army there was cane furniture that was very popular mm-hmm. you know available on the side of a highway or in a big uh, shop in punjabi bag you know what, what i mean so we had cane furniture and the glass table top on top of a cane uh, table top you know that typical old and moodas and all of that delhi hard kind of stuff uh, and a big cooler and a big fridge and that's all you really need to live a posh life you know back in the day so my parents were that but the way they had built this jhopdi the way they had taken the little money they used to earn in army and put beauty to this fairly humble yet opulent spot because like we have a drawing room this is very opulent you know it's a jhopdi but we have a drawing room right um, i think it came from there it came from seeing beauty in um, in tradition uh, and from there obviously because of what i studied my my parents were pretty surprised when i told them that i wanted to study um, archaeology and i wanted to study art history and i wanted to study about culture uh, and they um, uh, maybe even till till, till this day worry about how this is a viable profession where i can pay the rent uh, and uh, buy food for my dog as well you see so uh, but uh, um to to develop taste is to look at beauty constantly i think you know and to uh, to to understand the evolution of your own eyes in terms of appreciating things um I don't know if that answers your question. Sorry. It does. It does. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Up. I'm gonna show. Uh, show it back to you with this statement. When you came to my studio last time, I had all these juvenile posters on. Mm. 
the contents had changed. There were cheap reprints of art that I could find online as a consequence of being at the India Art Fair and being friends with Sumit Roy and other people more exposed to the arts. Mm. It was more film-centric stuff, more depictions of Indian gods because I like Vedic astrology. My first posters used to be standard Pink Floyd, mm. Jim Morrison. Mm. It's like a product of my times, mm. more or less. Man, my first poster was Triple H. Yeah? Yeah. I had a Triple H poster, man. <laughs> he's up to one get WWE ke manager. Oh, I don't yeah, even know that. Yeah, he's, he's revivified oh, WWE. Oh, wow, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so he's uh, Steve. Vince McMahon has stepped down. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, Vince, Vince, yeah. See, yeah. he married the boss's daughter and he got Oh, Vince's daughter he's married. Stephanie McMahon, yeah. Oh, right. She was yeah, also yeah. a wrestler, right? Yeah, she, yeah, they play multiple roles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but the progression is such that ऐसे juvenile rock के posters my taste at that time उनके वो edges वगैरह भी मैंने काट रखे हैं खुद कैंची से ना ताकि वो अच्छा लगे और मैं tape से चिपका पाऊँ the tape is not even rounded at the back so it looks neat so ऊपर से लगा रखा है tape ताकि वो light से लगे तो चमकता है वो to the posters that you saw and then eventually I acquired some art some was gifted to me and then I painted the walls black and i can slowly see, i mean this is just like visual art mm. music taste can be as out there then then the sort of things you eat and drink mm. right but i found that it's it's been a very slow journey of coming across stuff mm. and other people with influence mm. feeling intimidated mm. confused mm. but then like jordan peterson says stumbling into beauty nonetheless yeah you know cuz you don't you don't do it from the womb but there has to be a process and i just want to make oh, sure i don't ki- think you need to look for an answer i think it's a personal jo- a journey do you like beautiful things if you like beautiful things then you will invite them, them in your life or you will uh, you know just keep them around you so my first journey with art was before uh, right after my triple h poster when i went to study and i had my first dorm room i had my own private space that i wasn't sharing with my sister and then she was trying to you know her poet um was when i went to university and the throwing away art catalogs and i i remember looking through them and i was like oh my god this is so great i'm going to put it up in my room and then once i collected a lot of these torn out pages from art catalogs i went to my room and i was like how am i going to do it and i had no structure or beauty or curational direction in my mind to put it so i just slammed it all over my wall with thumbpins right but then when i like step back and i looked at it i loved it and everyone who came to me and that time i really got into chinese contemporary art hmm. because the the auction house catalogs that they were throwing out were like uh christie's sotheby's philips and all of that and there were these these chinese and asian art uh, auctions you know so i got really into it and i remember i had and everyone who came to my room kept asking me they like what artist is this and i used to keep looking up the caption on it so i think it does not oh i want to be into art can you tell me how to be into art if you want to be into art you will not stop yourself from looking at art and when you will keep looking at it in your per- own personal way you will form your own uh, personal uh, preferences and then when you will want to go and acquire art you will go and tell a person who is like an art advisor or a gallerist that i like stuff like this can you show me that it's yeah and that's how it should naturally happen mm-hmm. but a lot of people can't wait for that time and simply do not if you're a doctor if you're a surgeon and you are constantly on uh you know er duty uh you you simply do not have the time to appreciate and spend time with beauty right because you're always rushing um and that's when you need to have 
some sort of private intimate moments with people who can advise you to what to look at you know and what about imposter syndrome like when you when you first look at a piece of art aisa ho jata hai log dar jate hain no no not of your own art like um just the process i'm not talking about my painting kharidne ki baat nahi kar raha main main just bol raha hu going from an unexamined unorganized life where you do your things i mean you could be successful or unsuccessful but your walls are barren hmm. यू डोंट नेसरली कंसिडर कि यार इस टेबल पर मैं साइड पीस रखूंगा कि क्या वैल्यू है आप सोचते हो कि ओ रूम ही तो है सोना ही तो है यू नो लाइक वेरी फंक्शनल अगर तुम वैसे मतलब से कर रहे हो दैट यू नो for me it is a very passionate and a very romantic process you see and obviously because i spend so much time looking at it i understand the market of it so why not put a little bit of a intelligent layer on top of it right let's see where this goes let's see now i'm at the phase where i'm like let me test my eye if i if i like it from the get go when i see it hmm do i want to trust my instincts and get one and then the market will pick up and it's become very fun to see that as well you know because there there have been some artists that i've like immediately seen and i was like all right guys i love this and i've like told some of my girlfriends as well uh, who also love art it's like okay you know there is this one artist and this artist has three pieces we are three friends should we get it you know and i've i, I feel like i've done it multiple times where there's an artist and there's a series and i think it's a fantastic series and i've started really trusting trusting my gut on hmm. it and often it's happened that i've uh, told people that trust me this is going to be a big artist 2 years from now not even 5 10 11 2 years from now this guy is going to be a big artist and it's exactly happened yeah and those people who i told in the first get go get this now they've been coming to me they're like oh i want this artist it's like too expensive now <laughs> that's great i invested some money in a basquiat do you think i'll get it back don't lie to me I'm you not did? kidding. I did. Oh, in what an NFT? Uh guys, ab mere ko batana padega ki technology kaise badal deti hai sab kuch. Nahi, so I bought about 50 shares of a Basquiat painting. Oh, what? Yes. That is a thing now? Yeah. On Masterworks. You shy you buy shares on paintings and they hold it in a lot. They keep it. Date do saal mein, teen saal mein wo painting bik jati hai. But do you prefer investing in art of like living artists or dead artists? Like what is? I uh, I prefer living artists. I I prefer. Uh, I have a lot of fascination for modernists and um, you know much older artists. But contemporary art is where uh, I'm very interested currently. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Well, I hope this basket sells because it's going to make me a lot of money if that happens. Yeah, it will. It will. तो ऐसे तो बहुत मैं आई शो यू द वेबसाइट ब्रो आई थिंक आई लाइक आई एफ के टाइम भी वी ऑल फकिंग लाइक वर्किंग रियली हार्ड वी डेंट सी इट बट आई एक्चुअली टोल्ड उमा मॉडर्ट एज वेल एंड देन वंस आई इन्वेस्टेड आई वाज लाइक ओके ग्रेट 
इट्स जस्ट डन आई जस्ट हैव टू सिट बैक राइट वन जब भी बिक जाएगी एंड दिस मार्केट इज पुटी लिक्विड नो अदरवाइज लाइक बास्किया इज ऑलवेज लिक्विड बेबी या या ऑसम ऑसम फील्स गुड ठीक है दैट इज द एंड ऑफ ऑल द थिंग्स आई टू आस्क यू कन्वर्सेशनली ऑब्वियसली इट्स ऑलवेज अ ब्लास्ट टू हैंग आउट विद यू बिकॉज़ यू कैन एक्सपर्टली एंड फाइनली स्पीक अबाउट मेनी डिफरेंट थिंग्स um and like i always say where can people find you where can people find me uh nowhere <laughs> you said the well, exact same thing last night walking about uh, some streets early morning um sometimes with my dog uh taking photos of houses by the side of the road yeah for the actual answer of this question anika man on instagram yeah <laughs> anika man on instagram yeah theek hai Dude, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for calling me. And what a wonderful studio you have. <laughs> Are you just recreating the last conversation? What a wonderful studio you have. Nahi, but mazaa hai for you for you. Um Ha, thanks for giving all this value to our listeners and watchers. Well, I hope you enjoyed it. Kya ho gaya? I'm tired guys. I just had a long work day. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly yaar, uh, I love I I I loved the segment about beauty. Maybe maybe next time in 6 months or so, mm. we can talk more about uh nesting in a house. Oh yes, nesting in a house. Yes. Cuz I think I enjoy Maybe it. maybe maybe I can um invite you to my home and maybe show you some of my art. Sounds good. Aise na kaun sa hota hai? What is that show jo brood karta hai jahan pe logo ke gharon ke andar jaate hain? Okay. They do a show. Anyway, this was Anika Man, art advisor, archaeologist, uh, founder of Delhi Houses, uh, yes. several other projects. Um and this is those cast. See you all in the next episode. Bye-bye. Take care. Sayonara. Bye. <laughs>